Good morning. This morning's reading is from Luke 11, verses 14 through 20. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, But Beelzebul, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebul. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. There we go. Okay, that's good. Now let's say good morning. I am Pastor Rob. It's my pleasure to be giving the message this morning um, and to share a message about unity in the midst of disagreements as uh, we talk about uh, together we can do more. Uh, As uh, always, for those of you who uh, may be new to our church, uh, Inside Your Worship Program is a place that you can take notes. So if you are writing things down, I I won't take it personally. Um, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I... uh, Lord, I give you thanks that we have this place where, uh, Lord, we can uh, share the word together. And Father, I ask that you would uh, guide my words, that the words that I would say would be ones that would be pleasing to your ear. Father, open everyone's hearts that they would hear those words in a way that you would have them to be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to start my message with three words you've probably never heard in church before. I hate theology. I really do. And I don't, I don't hate religion. I, I, I certainly, uh, I love God. Um, I'm not against spirituality, but theology is a problem. And the reason that I find theology a problem is, uh, it, and it seems like such a benign word. I mean, uh, theos, if you break it down, theos means uh, God. Uh, logia means to study. So the idea of studying God seems like such a good thing. Uh, But honestly, in the number of courses of theology that I have taken, this is the conclusion that I have come to. Theology to me is really 10,000 reasons good Christians hate one another. Because you see, this is what we do in the realm of theology. We, We take the idea of who is God, we take the idea of God's Word, and we begin to break it down and trying to figure out well, what is right? And the problem is, is that too often we take those ideas of figuring out who is right, and we use them to bash one another over the head. We get these interpretations and say, well, I think God is saying this. And somebody else says, no, that's not what God's saying. God is saying this. And therein lies the conflict. Now, I know some of you might be sitting there going, oh, wait a second. I know where Pastor Rob's going. He's challenging denominations. But the truth is, I'm not. Denominations are actually a good thing because there are differences that we have. There are differences in the way that we choose to worship. Not everyone likes the same type of music. Not everyone does agree on those interpretations. Denominations are fine. The problem is when our differences become divisions. 
You see, differences are natural. If it weren't for differences, we would have donuts in the lobby every week, <laughs> and we'd forget the bagels. Actually, you're right. That laughter says we should have donuts every week. <laughs> we'd have no need for deep dish pizza. We'd all just take our New York slices and we'd fold them. And all of us would find Pastor Gill's jokes funny. <laughs> but the thing is, so, but division is different. The word division itself means an act of separation. It, it's, it's a breaking of things. It, it's taking something and, and, and pulling it apart. And sadly, the churches have faced many forms of division. And most of them due to theology and deep beliefs that once we get hold of them, we just can't let them go. We have to be right. And some of it is just simply human nature. We have a desire to, to, to be correct. And sadly, some of those times that those divisions happen is because we judge each other as we walk through the door. But the truth is, God wants His church to be unified. God doesn't want a church of division. Now, in our main Scripture passage, we actually have two Scripture passages today that are are significant for our message. In the first one, which you just heard, we hear the description of a miracle done by Jesus. Now, what's interesting in this passage is, is that whereas most stories of Jesus' miracles focus on the miracle, it's, it's, it's set up, we understand who the person is that Jesus is healing, we hear how Jesus has done the healing, and that is the focus. In this piece of Scripture, something different is focused on. We hear about the crowd. We hear about the reaction to the miracle. So in this particular piece of Scripture, uh, Jesus heals the man, and immediately we find that there are two groups of people that have witnessed the miracle and their responses. And I'm going to say it's a form of theology. One group comes out and says, that's the work of the devil. That's Satan's work. That's who is doing the healing. And we have another group that says, show us more. These are two different theological standpoints. They are interpreting Jesus' action. But what's interesting is, is that the way that Jesus answers and what he does is really the, the, the point we want to focus on. Now, in our second piece of Scripture today, we're going to fast forward to, uh, to Paul writing a letter to the church in Corinth. And this is a church that is in trouble. So uh, instead of just saying uh, the early church must not have had any problems, here's an example of what happens uh, or what was happening in a church that was experiencing some difficulties. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. And still another, I follow Christ. Paul is is facing a church that is in division. They are splitting up based on who the leaders are in the church. 
they are starting to identify with the teachers more than with who the ultimate teacher is, who is Jesus. And this is a slippery slope. It would be akin to us coming in and saying, oh, I follow Pastor Ricky, or I follow Pastor Rob. The danger here is that we lose focus on the ultimate message. So Paul suggests in his letter that we should set aside those differences and instead be focused on one thing, and that is Jesus. They need to remember they are all followers of Christ. To Paul, the simple act of keeping focus on Christ avoids a separation. And if you think about it, if we focus on Christ, we worry a whole lot less about the other things. It's almost like Paul is saying, with Christ is in focus, it's all small stuff. And you all know, we don't sweat the small stuff. Now, I have to admit, with the controversy in mind and seeing this, this piece of Scripture, um, I wanted to know what was the division between them. I wanted to know, what was Apollo saying? What was Cephas saying that was enough that would make this fracture in the church? And here's what's amazing, is that in the midst of all of it, they weren't teaching anything different. There was not a doctrinal difference between any of them. It was simply human pride that as people were starting to look and join together um, with these leaders, they were identifying with the leader. It's why we have to be careful of the things that we focus on. And if you think about it, when people say to you, what do you believe? What do you say? Do you say, I'm a Methodist? Do you say, I go to Pastor Ricky's church? Or do you say, I'm a Christian? Because really, that's where we should be. Our second focus point this morning, though, tells us that um, that division does not build, it destroys. That in those midst of those divisions, we, we find ourselves tearing each other apart. So let's go back to the passage of Luke and pick up what Jesus says after he does his miracle. So in response to their theological moment, we hear that Jesus hears the thoughts of the people who are there. He knows what they are thinking. And Jesus responds by saying, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. In this case, I don't believe that Jesus is simply talking about the nature of undoing one's work. Most people, when they look at the story, think that Jesus is simply um, talking about uh, if, if he was Satan destroying his own work. But, but I think he's also talking about being divided in thought and mind. You see, here's what's really happening. While the crowd is having their theological moment, they've missed the miracle. I mean, think about it. Here's a scene where where Jesus has just committed a miracle, and the crowd isn't reveling over the miracle. They're saying, he did it. It was Satan who did it. Or show us more. By sitting there going, well, we want to see what the power is or where the power came from, they totally missed the fact that a miracle just happened. This is what happens when we are arguing the nature of theology. In worrying about our interpretation of words, in worrying about exactly what the meaning is, we totally miss the point. 
It's almost like saying, if we spend time looking at the story of Jesus' resurrection and focus only on whether the tomb that he was laid in was a cave or a man-built structure, we forget about the resurrection. And that's the challenge of theology. Jesus is telling them, look, a house divided against itself will fall. Yeah, if this was Satan's work, he wouldn't be destroying his own work. But at the same time, you are divided on this. Don't be. He also closes it by saying, and by the way, if this is the act of God, then God is here. Now, some of you may have also been familiar with this passage in another way. It may have rung to you of saying, you know, I've heard that somewhere before. Um, Abraham Lincoln chose um, that line from Scripture of saying a house divided in probably what is his second most famous speech ever. Uh, just, being, uh, just before he was nominated to, be, uh, to run for Senate, Lincoln gave this speech in reference to slavery and the division in our country. Lincoln said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. I believe the government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free. I do not expect the union to be dissolved. I do not expect the house to fall, but I do expect it will cease to be divided and it will become one thing or the other. In this case, division did bring, bring down the union. Lincoln was only half right. But it took the breaking of the union to solve the problem. Ultimately, Lincoln was correct. But the thing is, division destroys. And unfortunately, the history of our church is also loaded with other divisions. It's in, endured heresies, inquisitions, multiples of them, schisms in, in leadership and in thought, a separation between Protestantism and Catholicism. The list continues. You almost sit and think it's a miracle that the church has survived. And when you think about it, we should thank the Lord for His grace, because it survived despite us. So what do we do? I never like to give you the doom and gloom message without giving you something positive to, uh, to take from here, because although there is division in our world, I, I don't think that we are beyond it. We need to remember that we are united through Jesus, and to see the differences is just that, just differences. Every one of you this morning came here to worship God. You walked through the door with one singular purpose in mind, and that was to worship Jesus Christ. We have that in common. Paul continued in his letter to the church in Corinth to help them understand this even more. He asked the question, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no one can say that you were baptized in my name. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it's the power of God. Paul's telling us that the things that we often do to divide are not important. It's not the church of Paul, it's the church of Christ. 
And it doesn't matter what we are doing. It matters what Jesus did. It's not about fancy sermons or how, how big words that we use are. It's about Christ and what He did. Now, I think it's also important, though, that we show the world that, it's also, uh, that we are also not a church that is divided. I can guarantee you that every time the media has an opportunity of portraying the Christian church as broken and fractured, they will take advantage of that. I think Satan wants to see the world see us as broken and hypocritical. So what do we need to do? Well, if the world is to know us, they need to know us as Jesus' disciples by the way we love one another. Um, I think we are a united church. I think there is a whole lot of unity here. But we are also a people of differences. Take a minute and look around at the people who are sitting around you. They come from different backgrounds, have different experiences than you do, probably have different ideologies and and different ideas of, of political thought. But each one of us is united in Christ even among those differences. And here's what's even more amazing. Most of you sitting in here did not grow up as Methodists. One of the things that I love about my job is I get to teach the membership class, and one of the days in in our membership class, we talk about what our backgrounds are and what our denominations are. And every year that I've done it, the number of people who say, oh, I grew up in the Methodist church has gotten smaller and smaller. As a matter of fact, the number of people who grew up in the Catholic Church has gotten larger and larger. Even that division between Protestantism, Protestantism, that's a tough word, and Catholicism is blending and meshing more and more. So as different as we seem, we're actually more alike than we realize. But we're also a unified church in many other ways. There are so many things that our church does that I really think speaks to our unity. I love being in a church where, for an entire year, our focus was being for our neighbor. I love being part of a church where we share our entire Christmas offering with people sometimes on the other side of the world. I love being part of a church where we have a response team that meets people's needs when they have it, right where they are. I love being part of a church where a mission isn't a side thing, that it's part of our culture and who we are. See, there's no better way of getting rid of division by getting to know our neighbor and finding that we are so much more alike. And by the way, we do all those things without asking, what do you believe? What is your theology? What are your ideologies? We support people as Jesus did. And to me, that makes a unified church It's not in the differences, but how we show our love to each other. And if you want to know how to really find unity, remember this. In Mark 12, Jesus was asked, what is the most important commandment? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. That's where we find unity. And remember, we can do more together.
Now, as I close this morning, I want to address an issue of difference that I will pray that will not lead to one of division. And I'm sure the media will provide coverage on this and, and, and talk about it, so I wanted people to be aware of it as it approaches and to hear it from us. For the last several years, the General Conference, and the General Conference is the body that oversees the Methodist Church, um, has been investigating the discipline as it, as it applies to members of the LGBTQ community. And the members of the conference have received reports and will be considering possible changes to the discipline and a way to move forward. They'll be doing this in a special session next week in St. Louis. And what I ask is this, that regardless of your position and where you stand on it, I would ask that you would pray for the church. I'd ask you to pray for the, the members of the conference. I would ask you to pray for, uh, for churches all over. And just pray for God's wisdom and peace during the process. My prayer is that in, in this resolution and in praying for this, that, um, that we will remain a, unit, a unified church. And this just will remain an aspect of difference and not division. But I think our prayers are needed. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I give you thanks for all that you do for us, Lord. I give you thanks for the, the power that is, uh, that is present in our lives that, that, that you provide to us. So, Father, going from here, I'd ask that you would help us to be a unified people, Lord. Uh, Lord, I also pray for those who are meeting in the General Conference, Father, that you would give them wisdom that only you can provide. Father, there are so many things that you do for us in our lives. Lord, I, I give you thanks. And Lord, I just ask you to keep us focused on you, that we would remain unified in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as always, we have some uh, homework for you and some, some next steps going forward. Uh, the first one this morning is to be intentional and demonstrate uh, a love, uh, love to another believer this week by an act of kindness. Again, the more we know our neighbors, the closer we become to them. And also, we have a prayer vigil coming up. It's one of my favorite things, the opportunity to gather together as a congregation and pray as one. It's a, uh, an event that lasts um, from March 15th through 16th. You can come and pray overnight. Um, I love coming and praying in the, in the middle of the night. It's a, it's a peaceful time to come and a very spiritual time to really spend some time with God. And, um, and I invite all of you to, um, to do that. As you uh, leave this morning, a couple things to keep in mind. Dave Barna will be out in the lobby if you want to talk to him more about the North Campus. In addition, if you do have a pledge card and have, uh, have had some time to, uh, to fill that out, there'll be a box. If you could uh, put that in the box, that would be awesome. Also, um, this is a great time to sm- sign up for life groups. As has been said, we've been sending some great numbers, but if you're not part of a life group, now is a great time to jump in and, and keep that rolling forward. Uh, it's a great thing to be part of. So as you go from here, as a, as a people with Christ in mind to be unified, uh, keep him in your focus. Like I said, when you do that, everything else is small stuff. May the Lord bless you and keep you and give you peace. Amen.